Hello and welcome to Mop Bites, episode 74. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Thomas. In this episode, Kissing Cousins, a shaggy dog story, and good vibrations. But first, how did Mike get on with Alfred? How did Mike get on with Alfred? I installed it. Well done. <laughs> that was a start. I did what I said I would do. I configured it to run on command and space. Um which is how I was using LaunchBar, because what I've found, as I'm sure you know, is that I just walk in here and I just press Command and Space, and it used to bring up LaunchBar. It's one of those things you just get used to. It's it's very much like um, I do at work sometimes. I'll press Command Space and nothing happens. Yes, I've done that on Windows 8. Yeah, in the same way that sometimes at work I'll press the space bar, thinking it's, um, what they call it, Quick Look, and nothing happens as well. Mm. And I'll press... So, um, so, so, we can summarise this with you've not noticed a difference. Oh, I haven't noticed a difference. I mean, a launcher's a launcher, isn't it? <gasps> Carry on. Well, the way I'm using it, it is. Well, yes. The way you're using it, it probably is. Yeah. Um, a few things. A few things I've noticed. The calculator. I have to remember not to press enter. Otherwise, it seems to disappear into oblivion. Now, that drove me mad for about the first couple of hours and then i realized yeah. well one i shouldn't press enter if i just want to look at the answer but two pressing enter puts it on the clipboard so i didn't realize that oh it does automatically now you might think well if you don't want to paste it in anywhere that's just a pain and it, it can be but if you do want to paste it in somewhere it's very useful and the second thing you can do is you know Bodmas, bombdas pedmas i know it well yes i know you do because you're an excel guru mm. yes well you can, in Alfred, which I found more difficult in LaunchBar, go back through the calculation and change it. But if you don't want to, if you just want to put in a part of a calculation, look at it, and then sort of carry on. But with those rules, if you sometimes, the last thing you want to do is multiply it by something, then obviously you get a, a completely incorrect answer. What you can do with that copying it to the clipboard is you can do the first part of the calculation, check it, then press enter, that puts it on the clipboard. Activate Alfred again and just paste, and it pastes the answer from the previous calculation into Alfred, and you're good to go with the next little bit. That's handy. So it's great for incremental calculations. Um, you can do that with LaunchBar, but you've got to press equals first. You have to get into that, you know the calculator mode in LaunchBar, yes. where it's a text box. You've got to be yeah. in that mode before you can paste. But with Alfred, you don't which actually makes using Alfred faster for me. But yes, the calculator, I would love an option for, for the for, for the switchers who are constantly pressing enter, like me mm. and you. <laughs> Tell me about it. So what else? What else? Um, I have bought the, um, the, the power pack, so I'm still using launch bar for the clipboard manager. So I'm pressing alt and space bar. No, no, I'll get this right. Yeah, alt and space bar to bring up launch bar. And then Command and K to bring up my clipboard history. You're doing this, aren't history. you, just to make sure? I am doing this, just to make sure. Now, you see, I yes. never, ever did it that way in the first place. Oh. What I did in LaunchBar, um, within the uh, clipboard section of the preferences, you can set up a single key to bring up the clipboard history. From there, you can either use your arrow keys to move up and down, so select the entry you want, and then press enter to paste it, or you can actually just start typing and it filters the clipboard. 
So I know we said you only have 40 items, but 40 items can be quite a lot if you're looking for something specific. So you can just start typing it and it automatically filters it down. And then you can go to the one you want and either double click it or press enter and you're good to go. So I never used the two key approach. It's just one of those things I got used to. As I say, pressing, com well, when I was using Launchbar, it was Command and Space, Command and K, and bring up my list of, of history items. That actually is a good way to do it if you're using remote desktop with a launcher, um, especially Launchbar, which I've got on the, on the rest of my machines. Because if you try and send the shortcut to activate the clipboard, it activates the local one. Some keys get passed through with remote desktop and some don't, and that's one of the ones that doesn't. So what I could do, if I'm still using LaunchBar or I have LaunchBar activated a different way, I can send the shortcut key through for the first one and then the command and K. That does actually have its uses. But what I'm doing in Alfred, I've got Alfred to remember everything for three months. Uh, I'm about two, three weeks into that and we'll see how it goes, but it's working well so far. What did throw me with Alfred with that history was... I couldn't see all my history. So I assumed it wasn't working. You know, I said to you last show. Yeah. You know, I, not everything's there. I'm not sure what's going on. And um, it only shows you the last however many. But if you do exactly what I've just said, which is just start typing. So activate the clipboard history, which by, by default is, um, oh, let me think. I think it's command option and C, which is command option and V, I think, in launch bar. That took a little bit of getting used to as well. If you just start typing uh, and it's something specific, maybe from three weeks ago, it will filter out for it and there it will be at the top of the history. So, yes, it does work. It's just for um, speed. It doesn't show you everything. Another thing with a clipboard history that I think is genius that when I looked at it, I thought I'll never use that was you can clear the clipboard history. Now, while I do use that, I use that in webinars. I make sure that my clipboard history is completely clear before I start the webinar, because otherwise I'm bringing up the clipboard and I have no idea what's on it. <laughs> wouldn't want to be caught. Um, oh, well, wouldn't want to be caught anyway. So I usually clear it. But there's two options in Alfred. One is to clear the last five minutes and one's to clear the last 15. And I thought I'll never use that. But fair enough, it's there, whatever. And I was copying and pasting like fury, uh, doing a demonstration of something. And I'd copied so much stuff and, and I was never going to need it in my clipboard history. And mindful of the fact that it does keep it for three months, I thought, oh, I'll try clearing just the last 15 minutes. And it worked. It was brilliant. So, yes, didn't think I'd use that, but I did. So I like that. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, I've set up a couple of whoopie doo stuff. Whoopie doo type things. Oh, do elaborate. What are we if you do type things? They're, they're more than more than launchers. I've set up, with your help, uh, how to search MacBytes, uh, the website, and how to search the Excel Trainer website. But I keep forgetting to use them. Brilliant. You see, this is the whole problem. <laughs> There's fantastic software out there that does fantastic things, and you forget to use it. Yeah, because I'm usually in the website, in the browser, so I can just search from the site. Hmm. I have set up MapBytes, I have set up the training show. Uh, I do use it, but I must admit, I actually use the other ones that I've set up more, um, the EpGuides one I talked about, because I've been doing that for ages and ages. So yes, when when I'm thinking of searching MacBytes, I will use it if I'm not already in a browser. But if I'm in a browser, I think it's just automatic, I'll probably do that. One of the things that I thought was fantastic is that you can use Typeinator expansions in it, which you've That's probably cool. not tried either. No. Mm. No. I do. I'm trying to think where I use the most uh, websites. You can I want to try that. You no. can just type um, a URL in. So 
I have my URLs, uh-huh. as everybody knows. I don't bother with bookmarks. My URLs are in Typeinator, which is like Text Expander, only it works for me. Never really did get on with Text Expander. Well, actually, no, that's not true. It didn't get on with me. Don't know what was wrong with it. Anyway, Typeinator works fantastic. So what I do is I put um, the section key, which is my sort of uh, the key I use first, and then I have like two or three letters following that that enters URLs, and it works brilliantly. So I can just start typing and up it comes. I've just tried that. Mm, you like yeah. that now, don't you? Yeah. Come on, space. Section ME puts my email address in there. Yeah. And of course, it can search for all that as well. But and, I... and if I press enter, even though I've put my email address in, it takes me to my blog. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm, I, I need to see what it's doing for <laughs> totally that. Totally useless. But... <laughs> uh, no, no. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I think what would be good is to have a trial for the uh, power pack so that you can really see whether the clipboard and the workflows are any use to you. That's exactly what I said last time, because I was concerned the clipboard wouldn't work in the way I wanted to and workflows I didn't really have much idea with. So I think maybe just a seven day trial would tempt a lot more people. Uh, One thing I did find, which I wouldn't have found if I wasn't trying to use one password in Alfred, is um, Chrome doesn't like it much, does it? Oh, yes, I remember that problem. Yes. Forgot about that. I have had the problem before, but this time the problem, it's Chrome, it's not Alfred. What you can do in Alfred, and I think you do need the power pack for that, is enable 1Password support. So if you have 1Password on your system, it links to it, uh, no problems with security apparently, but I trust it, so I trusted it. Let it get on with it. You start type, you put 1P, and then you start typing um, something that would identify what you wanted. And of course, for me, logging into my blog, was what I was trying to do and it was working for forums and all sorts of places but it seems to have an issue with WordPress so it it was putting the stuff in and it looked like you know it's put the username in put the password in tried to, to get there but failed and I said to you I've seen this before and I remember having a discussion with the good folks from 1Password and it was something that Chrome was doing so I changed my default browser because obviously what Alfred's doing is opening up opening up the URL in the default browser. And um, it changed it to Safari. It was fine. Changed it to Firefox. I know Firefox, laughable. Uh, and it was fine. So it's Chrome. Mm. So that was a bit of an issue. But apart from that, uh, really, really enjoying it. I also found two more things that I thought were fantastic that I'm using so much. You can type Drive and it searches Google Drive. Now, the way I was accessing Drive, it's got a hideous URL. So I'd got um, a plugin for Chrome that had a link in, in a sort of, it's called Speed Dial. So it's like um, a, it's like a big bookmark, I guess. It's just by an image rather than being a text link. But it meant going to Chrome, opening a tab, finding the link, clicking on the link, waiting for it to load, then doing a search, because although I think we've mentioned this before, I can't find a thing on Drive anymore, can you? I can if I go directly to it and search. Oh, only if I search. Mm. But if I go to it, you know, I used to organise things with um, tags and, and folders, and it was great. Yeah. And then when they changed from Docs to Drive, it just completely went to pot. Given I, up on I that. I can't find a thing. Um, there, there is now they're differentiating between tags and folders. So now I'm never quite sure where anything is. So I'd given up doing that. So what I, I did was I just totally ignore the interface and type in what I'm looking for at the top. Alfred lets you type that straight into Alfred. 
So then when it opens up, it opens up Drive, but at the top of the list, I probably have just one or two files and it's instantly obvious to me which one I'm looking for. So I'm using that all the time. And having got used to that, I thought, I wonder, would it be as fast searching Gmail? And it is. So uh, type Gmail into Alfred, put a space, whatever you're looking for, and you're instantly there. And that's actually far faster than using, uh, well, my email client of choice, which is um, Postbox. So I find the web search much faster. So those two I'm, I'm still using. They are brilliant. Some of the stuff you try when you first install some software is like, oh, that's cool. And you install it and then you never use it again. So what I'm doing is I'm going back every day and looking at what I'm using as well. So have we persuaded you to part with cash yet? Not yet. Maybe this time next week. We'll see. I'll report back. You said it. You said next week. Anyway, moving swiftly on. <laughs> I didn't say next week episode. I you said, said next, next week. week. In... That's enough. That's enough to send Minster <laughs> into a complete frenzy. Anyway, let's let's move on. Um, after McJim's foray into uh, the, the world of all things Blackberry, uh, I noticed a story which I thought was um, alarming. That Z10 returns exceeded sales. Just stop and think about that for a moment. How can that happen? How Ooh. can you possibly have more things sent back than you sold? Were you selling them twice? <laughs> I, I, I literally, I, I listened to that and I thought, what? My first thought was, that's impossible. Um, but it was a report according to, you know, you know the, the famed Wall Street analysts? I know them. Yes. Apparently somebody called Detweiler Fenton and um, they, they assure us that um, more returns than sales. I'm still thinking about that one. Doesn't make any sense to me. But then I thought, Fenton. Fenton. Heard that name before. Yes, that's what I thought. I thought, no, it can't be that one. It's far too intelligent. Anyway, I've sorted McJim's problem. I have found him just the thing. He's been through his iPhone and an iPod Touch and his Z10 and even the dark side of Android. But no, I've found him exactly what he needs. He can't go wrong with this. Have you, have you seen the link? I've seen the link, yeah. Yes, under a heading of bigger is better. What is it? It's an Asus Transformer. Quite possibly the largest tablet I have ever seen. Wasn't it over 18 inches? 18 and a half inches, I think. But I'm thinking for McJim, it, could, it must do everything he could conceivably want. Mm. And in, in the vein of um, bigger is better, absolutely. Not quite sure of the market for that one. It looks like that. Remember, remember the original Surface? It looked like a big gaming table. Yes, I remember it, yeah. Yes, they were playing... Um, air hockey on it you remember mm. years and years ago it was the first prototype of it it looks a bit like that so i don't get this apple are going one way making the ipad mini and now asus are going the other way so i think we've got every conceivable size of um touch sensitive device available now haven't we everything from sort of the old nano up to this thing Hmm. I wonder if they'll bring out the 27-inch iMac soon. I don't think it's for me. No, I thought it was a, a, bit, a bit on the large side. But um, McJim seems to be in the market to try most things, so uh, I'm charging him with trying that one. Mm. Must part McJim from his cash. Talking of parting people from cash, do you remember those gorgeous four-port USB hubs? The one I'm looking at on your desk. Yes, that's the yes. one. Don't, don't get accustomed to it. <laughs> yes, Jenna sorted me out with that. Only available in America. I was distraught. 
but Jenna sorted me out. Big, big, big thanks to Jenna for that. Well, they are now available in the UK. Mm. Uh, probably works out very similar in cost. Uh, they are $29.99 each. They're very nice. They, um, they won't charge your iPad, but they do charge my phone. So, um, and they're only USB 2, not USB 3. But that's not the point, is it? They look pretty. I'm sounding like a woman with shoes. I was now. just yeah, thinking yeah, yes, the yes, same. No, no, no. This really, really does look pretty. It's a very, very nice USB hub. So, um, particularly if putting it on your desk just underneath your iMac. And uh, looking at the picture, it looks like it's the one with the longer cable of the two. Sometimes it's got a very short cable, but this one looks like the one I got. It looks identical to what Jenna acquired for me. So, uh, it's now available in the UK. So, I shall put a link in the show notes. So, I'm sure we can part somebody from their cash with that, can't we? Definitely. Yes, it's gorgeous. Won't be me, though. It, it's all its money, I'll grant you. It is all its money, but uh, it looks like something Apple would have made. So that's why, why we're tempted. And after our foray into Windows 8, that was horrible. Didn't particularly want to go back, but had to for Office. They're bringing out some updates. Woohoo! Thankfully. Yes, well, Derek sorted us out, didn't he, Derek? Derek kindly told us um, it, it's like those old things where you had to click. You know those games where they had sort of back doors in where you could cheat? Little yeah, cheat I was, things. I was thinking of um, advent calendars. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah. Same principle. You've got the idea. Bless. Obviously didn't play games. Not that I did many myself. But there were special ways that you hold keys down and, and you access these things, which was all very well. But if you didn't know what they were, you were left floundering. Uh, I don't use the Metro interface. Never likely to use the Metro interface. Just wanted access to Office. That is it. I want to boot to the desktop. Well, apparently, Windows 8.1, they're building that in. So they spent all the time, because I think the biggest difference was no start menu and the Metro interface. And, um, well, no news on the start menu yet, but it will return, I've no doubt. But now you can boot directly to the desktop. And they're also adding in a file manager to the Metro interface. Cool. Mm, not too sure about that. It sounds to me as though they, they've... It's a bit like Apple when they've added all those things to uh, Mountain Lion that we all say are iOS things. Only Microsoft seem to be going both ways. They're allowing you now to boot to the desktop, but they're adding in a file manager to the Metro interface as well. Yeah, you can't be all things to all people, really, can you? You can't. They should make their mind up and be done with it. But they are trying, of course, to have a single operating system on multiple devices. It doesn't so work. It, no, it's not going to work. Uh, but I, I'm going to be able to boot to the desktop, always assuming that my update doesn't completely ruin the activation and then I won't get in anywhere and do anything. But I shall keep you informed on that. And just to make things a little more interesting when it comes to me accessing anything Microsoft-related... Microsoft are now enabling two-step verification for Microsoft accounts. I can see the benefit of it, but being locked out concerns me. I don't know what you think. Well, haven't Apple done that? They and have, I, and I, I haven't, haven't done it yet. I haven't done it. I'm concerned because I know there's supposed to be an application, isn't there? You know that thing you've got that somebody's dog at? This story is getting stranger by the minute. I isn't don't know it? what you're talking about. Mike has a dongle. <laughs> oh, yes, and somebody's dog at it. Oh, not not Mike's thing. dongle. Oh, that thing. <laughs> yes, I understand how it works, but if you want to do I explain how it works. Go on, explain how your dongle works. The dog didn't eat it, she lost it. 
Oh, right. Okay. At work, if I want to log in remotely from, from home or from wherever, I've got a little dongle and I um, it comes up with six digits on it and it which changes every 60 seconds. Um, so you type in your PIN number and you type in the, 60, the six digits and then it sends it off to the server and it logs you in. Which is fine, as long as your dog doesn't eat it. Yeah, the dog didn't eat it. She lost it. Oh, I thought the dog had actually eaten it. No. Well, that's where she was looking for it for quite a few days, I seem to recall. Anyway, Maya's got more sense than to eat it, but that's not the point. If you did lose it, you'd have no access at all, would you? No. Mm. Now, I'm assuming that's not how they're doing it. It's probably sent to a phone? I would guess so. You know my concern with that, don't you? No. There's only you got my phone number. So if my phone... It rang the other day, you know. Scared the life out of me. (laughs) Because I knew where you were and you weren't ringing me. (laughs) It was the wrong number. Uh, The most exciting my day got. I was going to say you didn't tell me. Anyway, uh, if they want to send it to your phone, fair enough. But I've seen things like that before. And your number starts being used for other things. So no, I've not done that yet. And I also think if everybody's doing it slightly differently, you've got problems with that as well. So, you know, you've got one app for Microsoft and another app for somebody else. I know why I'm going to have to go and do it. I do. And I'm going to have to sort myself out. I'll probably, this is ludicrous, I'll probably end up getting a pay-as-you-go SIM or something like that and using that instead. And that way mm. I'll know if they're being naughty with my information because nobody else at all would have that number. I can report back then, can't I? I can name yeah. and shame. But okay. it does concern me getting locked out. Because I think we've already got all those other things. You know, the the security questions. Yeah. And I don't put real answers in. I put random strings of all sorts in. And I track everything in one password. And I also have it, you know, archived somewhere else and, and encrypted as well. So so when you get on the phone and, and they say, what's your mother's maiden name? You're going A, D, square bracket, yes. apostrophe. <laughs> 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 yes, absolutely. That, of course, isn't your mother's maiden name. Mm. Nor is it your security question answer. No, well, but th- that's just not secure. Your mother's maiden name is not secure. So, so no. no, I never use proper answers. I don't. So, and I track them very carefully. You know, I wouldn't fill them in and then not write them down because I know that they're... I'm in one password anyway, generating them, so I might as well put them in there. I think there's there's too much scope for going wrong, even if you put in truthful information. You know, if it asks who, who your first grade teacher was or whatever, and you put it in, there's no saying you're going to be remembering that in five years, is there? Yeah, or, or what I did was the company I used to work for where we had online... Um, uh, pay slips. I when I set the security question up, which was your mother's maiden name, I must have misspelt it. <laughs> and no matter what combination of letters I used, I couldn't get in there. Exactly. That's um, my fear of what would and happen. I was I was locked out and I couldn't change it. In fact, the only way to, to get in there was to use Firefox because that came up. And there were three security questions and Firefox never came up with the mother's maiden name one, but Safari and, and Chrome always did. And that was the only way that I could get in. You couldn't make this up, could you? Yeah. There's security for you. Oh, no, I'm not going down that route just yet. I wouldn't mind if there was a single dongle or a single app or something like that. Maybe they, they all need to talk to one password and completely integrate it mm. and be done. That, that would idea. help. But anyway, good to see they're taking security seriously. But I think we, we would have been secure enough if they'd taken those seriously. But when they were resetting it with, with information that just wasn't sufficient, people then started mistrusting the system. 
Another thing was making you do that on an iOS device. Do you remember when I came to purchase something and it started bleating and it wanted me to set up these security questions on an iOS device? How am I supposed to remember them? How am I supposed to generate them? That's happened to me. That's happened to me on the phone. That's happened to a colleague uh, with an iPhone. Exactly, because then what you're going to have to do is either put the truth in and remember how to spell it. Nice one, Mike. Or you're going to have to write them down and then put it somewhere else later because you can't keep flicking back from one app to another, can you? No. And half the time you can't copy and paste it in either. It's just, that's ridiculous. I just don't think they should do that on an iOS app. Having said that, some people only have iOS apps, don't they? We talked about people who never sync. Exactly. So, yes, minefield. Hideous minefield. No, not going there. So, we're all caught up now with things we've talked about, aren't we? We are. Right, so what next? The comings and goings at Google. What could possibly have happened this week at Google? Ah... They want to buy WhatsApp. WhatsApp? What and his app? Oh, no, WhatsApp is I, it's a question. WhatsApp? WhatsApp. WhatsApp sort of SMS, isn't yeah. it? It's uh, messaging of some description. I remember trying it. I downloaded it and I installed it and I looked at it. I'm sure I remember a, a complete flaw in the system with it. I'm sure it was this app. You installed it and you set up a name, a username, obviously. But the username was per device. Do you remember that? I don't. Never tried it. I'm sure that that was the story with it. Now, maybe they fixed that after that. But I didn't bother with it again. Johnny got no mates. Uh, but yes, it's, supposed, it's a good app. It's a good app, apparently. Very, very popular. And the story came out that Google wanted to buy it. And then within 24 hours, WhatsApp's owners came out and said, uh, no, they're not. We're not being sold to Google. Do you remember when having Google interested in you was a good thing? Mm. And now people can't deny it fast enough. Because <laughs> what you're thinking is, oh, good grief, I won't bother with that, I'll be dead by next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How times change, eh? How times change. I also read a piece, and I must admit, we've never had Google Voice in the UK, have we? No, I don't think it is UK-based. No, I, I looked at it a while back and they, I got this mail and they'd offered it me and stuff. And then when I logged in, it wasn't there. So I'm assuming that they were thinking, you know, apps account enabled then it wasn't and i didn't bother but um apparently th this piece that i was reading was saying that that's almost dead as well because they've just not updated it but i thought they were working on a whole new integrated chat system don't ask me i have no idea weren't they supposed to be doing that mm, don't know maybe but they've also this week yes r.i.p go on go on do do you do your little ditty do, 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 do. <laughs> You're not supposed to snigger when you do it. Anyway, yes, they've shut down an affiliate network, which I don't recall being there in the first place. I must take more notice of Google. I really must. It was on a site called Small Business Trends, and um, it used to be, it looks like a cost per action advertising system. Did you look at that? No. Good to know you're on the ball mm. with it all. Anyway, it's gone. So they really, really are pruning, aren't they? Sorry, sunsetting. No, what was the last one? It wasn't sunsetting. What do you call it then? It was sun sunsetting. Uh, no, no. Spring cleaning. Oh, yes. Spring, Spring cleaning, cleaning was the last right. one. So they've carried on with it. But at the same time, they are also launching services. So uh, I'm working out when they're going to be dead. Uh, have you heard about Google Babel? Because I thought it was Babelfish. No. But apparently not. Google Bagel. It's a, a messaging platform. This is sounding like WhatsApp, isn't it? Did you say Bagel or Babel? Uh, Babel. Ah, I was thinking bagel, smoked salmon and cream cheese. No, 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 I'm fancying a bagel ah. now. 
Oh, no Babel. No uh, messaging, apparently. So uh, there's another one to avoid. Uh, so well, I'd like to keep the map batters up to date with what to, to totally avoid, don't we? Um, and they're also talking about Android game centres with multiplayer chat lobbies, leaderboards and achievements. Yeah, I've, I've logged into Game Centre once and I think that was it. Well, that's got no interest for me on multiple levels. I've got you and I think I've got one other, but it's that long since I've logged in. I can't remember which kind soul took pity on me. That's sad, isn't it? I, I promise. Before next time, time, I will log in and I will find out. I'll probably find I've got requests. That'd be cool. I think it? I've got two friends in Game Center. I think I've got Chris and I think I've got James Woodpad. And I might and I might have you. Uh, take it on as a challenge, MacBiters. But I thought the Google um the service that could not not be mentioned, if you know what I mean. Google I am. I am. Yes, I am. I am. I'm assuming it's short for I am dead. Mm. Did you not read this one either? I saw that one. Ah, yes. It's a plan for what to do with inactive accounts. So IAM is the inactive account manager. Ah. So I'm thinking if I don't go into my Google account, um, you know, with increased rapidity and regularity, I could find that I am dead and not even know it. Uh, I think it's a good idea. Apparently, I was also reading today that there are 30 million people who are already dead and their Facebook accounts are still going on without them. So it seems like a good idea. You can set out your timeout period and you can have them alert you and uh, notify contacts and even share data. And you can also set it up so it automatically deletes the account. They can have, they, you can have them alert you what, when you're dead. Uh, well, it does say <laughs> alert me. Yeah, they're probably working on that. <laughs> well, yes, they've got um, quite a few apps in the afterlife now, haven't they? So you never know. It's pretty Google heavy over there. I think it's a good idea, but um, I'm not sure that it's obvious enough. And I'm not sure that people are going to want to think about it when they're setting up an account. <laughs> do you? No, I guess not. No, I'll have a look at it and uh, see what I want to do. But I, I'm not setting anything to automatic, not with Google. It, 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 no, it's it's not a good idea. But it's not just Google, is it? No, it's Yahoo as well. Mm. well they had a totally different term for it. Deadwood. Deadwooding. Mm. Ah, deadwooding. They're, they're closing services that we actually used. Yes, Yahoo services that we actually used. Well, as long as they don't cut, um, what's it called, Flickr. That's still owned by Yahoo, isn't it? No idea. Don't use Flickr enough. They, they've let that languish, though, haven't they? I've got some pictures up there, but I think that's about all I I think I, I have, but I think they're only there from a demo yeah. from a few years ago. Uh, yes, they're losing Upcoming, which was a service we used to use for one of our local groups. Hmm. We actually got quite a few people interested in the local group through that. We did. It was a little bit like Eventbrite, but I, I don't recall it having a ticket selling part to it. No, it was more, uh, was it like Meetup? Yes, it was more yeah. of a local thing that you could type in, you know, I'm interested in you know, playing cards or dominoes locally, and it would come back with groups and events and things. So, yes, that that actually worked. So I don't know why they're getting rid of that. They could, of course, have been squeezed out of the market with um, Eventbrite and Meetup. Meetup's inc is it Meetup? Meetup, one, yeah. It? Meetup's incredibly popular. Uh, but it's a paid-for service. So there's an example. People would rather pay for Meetup than use a free one at Upcoming. Mm. Maybe Yahoo should have paid and actually invested in it. There's a concept for them. Uh, anyway, right, that's uh, the death, death call for the week, isn't it, <laughs> I think? Yeah, now let's go on to better things. Yes, documents. We talked about this a few shows ago. Uh, documents from Riaddle, and they brought out a completely new version, and it was for iPad, and we were saying how gorgeous it was. It was also free, 
So got to be worth trying. And um, they have just recently brought out a version for the iPhone and it is just as gorgeous. Of course, being so pretty, there had to be a flaw, didn't there? They mm. did. Yes, I'll talk about it more in, in a future show. But um, I was finding annotation issues with it. It didn't have all the annotation options. Um, and I was also having other annotation problems. So um, Derek suggested an alternative, the name of which is constantly escaping me. But I can now reveal is I annotate. It's, it's getting into my head. And I must admit, that's the best one so far. I like it. I like I annotate. Kudos to Derek there. Yes. Yes, it is very, very good. Um, because I'm also having problems with Goodreader, but that's it's a long story. So um, we'll be taking a, another look, a little return look at, um, what would you call those kind of apps? They're sort of file managers um, that, that allow you to annotate PDF. Mm, annotation come like you say file managers come everything else yes there's quite a few of them and they're all they look you would think when you're looking at them oh they all do the same job so it's just a matter of, of preference you know do i want it to look like this do i want it to work like that maybe you have certain servers that you have to connect to and one is supported on one app and not on another but for me when i actually started looking at seriously annotating so doing more than just highlighting a word every 20 pages when i was seriously annotating very heavily um, there is a massive difference between these apps they're nothing alike so um, yes we will revisit that shortly I promise but uh, if you need to know which one I think I'll, I'll, I'll spoil a review weeks in hand like you do uh, yes I annotate I'm finding is the best one so far although the interface I'm finding odd but I'm warming to it because it, it does actually work very well. But it's not only um, those sort of apps that I'm being teased and toyed with. Yes, I got a suggestion from Dave this week. That is uh, Dave of Wizard Gold. Textastic. It's like you with notes apps. Text apps. And apparently he highly recommends Textastic. Um, it already had a, an iOS. In fact, it's got an iPad and an iPhone version paid for separately. And they came out with a Mac app. So, of course, he was tempting me and I had to go and have a look, didn't I? And I was convinced. I thought, no, 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 not looking at any more text apps. I just said, I think I was using uh, Deedless with uh, Ulysses and testing that. And then I made the mistake of following the link that Dave sent. Yes. And I saw this text-tastic on an iPad. Oh, once. It's nice. In fact, when you see it, I think you might think the same. Why, why not click the link and go and have a look live? Okay. Try the iPad one. Mm. Yeah, iPad because one. both of us had said that we had a need to edit HTML on the road. And um, Gusto was the only thing I found that was in any way capable of doing anything like that. Well, that's not the iPad one. Hmm? That's not the iPad one. Oh, have I got them the wrong way around? Just just to confuse you. Let's have a look at the screenshots. That looks very nice. That does indeed. Yeah, see? Now you're tempted. That does indeed look very nice. Yes. It looks capable. Yes. Whether it's, it's pretty or not, it looks capable. So you know what I'm going to have to do, don't you? I'm going to have to buy it. Mm. Oh, you bad boy, Dave. But yes, I, I am going to get excited. I'm excited already just looking at it. So I'm definitely going to have to do that. I wondered about the logic of having a separate iPad and iPhone app, but I can see that it isn't something I think I'd want to do on an iPhone by choice. 
But there again... No, I I have enough finger trouble typing text on an iPhone. I don't think I'd want to type HTML on it. No, I don't think I would, but I'm thinking, you know, it's one of those apps that's handy to have when you need it, and you might use it sort of once or twice, yeah. but then when you do need it, you need it. Yeah. Useful for small changes. I can see me going for them all, you know. Anyway, yes, yeah, so watch this space for that one. I'm about to part with cash for something. He's a bad, bad boy. And anyway, I know that Dave loves a rumour. <laughs> Not. Yes, we talked about Kevin Lynch, didn't we? Kevin Lynch from Adobe joining um, Apple. And there was this site that started talking about an iWatch rumour. Don't know about you, but did we ever see that Apple TV that's been talked about for no. two years? No. I'm thinking the iWatch is all smoke and mirrors. They'll talk about it to such an extent that some idiots out there, some other idiotic company, will make one to compete with this mythical iWatch and it'll never appear. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this site, this French site, was suggesting that Kevin Lynch um, is uh, heading up the iWatch project. Do you think they'd take him on and give him a fake project? Ah, I've never thought about that, but... Yeah, good, you good, see, good you never thinking. know, yes. Well, uh, they assure us that they've learned Kevin Lynch has uh, created a new team with Inside Apple with a lot of engineers. <laughs> they would be, wouldn't they? Anyway, it lists off these engineers and uh, what sort of patents have been involved and admits that they don't know exactly what they're working on. But with all the iWatch rumours, the move is pretty interesting. Don't know about you, I don't think that's interesting. Not, not, inter not interesting to me. What would be interesting, you know, if, if, it, actually, if it actually happened... But I don't think so. Anyway, I think Kevin Lynch is probably too busy doing other things. Do you remember we talked about Bill Gates and Kermit the Frog? Yes. And said you never see them in the same room. Mm. Have you noticed you never see Kevin Lynch and Harry Potter in the same room? I haven't noticed, but now you come to mention it. They're one and the same. Oh, it was ridiculous. They used to get um, that one that you were talking about, Johnny L., Johnny L used to be, I'm not actually sure of his position at Adobe, but high up in Adobe. And um, they used to have him on at their conference doing an introduction. And then he'd wheel on Kevin Lynch to do a demonstration. And the thing is, and I'm sure it was the two of them, them in this particular picture I'm thinking of, Kevin Lynch is about five foot one. And um, Johnny L's about six foot nine. And the two of them together, and he's got little round glasses, it's Harry Potter. So, so don't believe it, this iWatch business. No, 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 no. They're working on iWand. iWand, uh, Harry Potter. Or iPotter, indeed. Anyway, talking of um, Potters, not quite. I'm going to hand this one over to you. Because you found this app, and um, are you going to ruin the review before you start talking about it? No, not at all. Ah, well, you carry yeah. on then. Yeah, I found an app this last week. It's called a hocker, as in soccer, as in meet the, meet the fuckers. <laughs> no, 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 it was Meet the Parents. Oh, is it Meet the Parents? I love that film. I absolutely love that film. It's a very black comedy with um, Robert De Niro and Ben Stiller, but I absolutely love it. It was the sequel that was called Meet the Fockers. Ah, right. Only this is not the Fockers, it's the Hockers. We're getting away from it now, aren't we? No, 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 um, bang on point. Hocker. Hocker, as in H-O-C-C-E-R. That's how you spell it. It's a free app. And it allows you to transfer music files, contacts, videos and photos between two iPhones, an iPhone and an iPad and even Android devices. It uh, looks rather cool. 
I actually remember when we first got iPhones. Um, in fact, well, I don't know if it's when we first got iPhones, but certainly when iPhones first came out and there was a lot of adverts on the telly. One of my colleagues was talking about um, an app called Bump. Was it Bump? Where you Oh, Bump was very two, popular. I must two admit, devices I, I didn't together. bother trying it. But yes, it, it transferred from one phone to another by sort of exactly touching them but putting them putting them very close shall we say this works in a very similar way um it's a free app as i said download it install it ensure that hocker is running on both both devices you have to enable location services on both devices which kind of makes sense so that it knows where the devices are and then you put the devices close to each other oh bless you then select the item to transfer and you use your finger to move the item from one device to another. So you literally drag your finger from one screen to the other. It took us a few goes to get it working, didn't it? Oh, that was an understatement. <laughs> Never mind us. It took you long enough with your own two devices. I okay. wish it were, those are the times I wish we were a video podcast. Uh, yes, you were juggling with them, weren't you? Nearly dropping the pair of them. Got it it, it wasn't in, as easy as they made out. Got it to work in the end. Um, it takes a few seconds to transfer. Oh, you could say that. And um, I'm actually just loading up this URL. On their site, it's called How to Hock. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. I'm not getting drawn. <laughs> and it actually shows you these gestures. And it says Throw Data. First, select a file by tapping. Then flick your phone forward like a frisbee. Hold on tight. Yeah, right. How much was that phone again? To transfer the file to others. Catch thrown data. Just swing up your phone in a small motion as if to catch a tennis ball and data is transferred. Or drag. This is the one we tried because I certainly wasn't throwing it like a frisbee. No. Drag. Place two phones side by side. Simply slide the chosen content from one to the other screen with your finger. Well, I'm sure the MacBiters can just imagine how well that went with your sensitive wrist action. How long did it take? <laughs> I'm not saying. Uh, be honest, you could have printed it out on a dot matrix, scanned it back in and it would have been faster. True. It was good when it worked, finally. But oh boy, do they have to be close. I'm not at all sure it was proper for us to be that close. I enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Just one other thing to uh, mention is if you go to hocker.com and click the link to the App Store, it actually takes you to a German web page. So you'll need to replace the DE in the URL with uh, GB or US. But uh, all in all, I think it was a... A great way to lose three hours <laughs> while you transferred one image. <laughs> three hours? No, I thought it was a good app. It was a bit of fun as well. Yes, we won't talk about the air being blue while well, you couldn't get it to work, will we? No. Anyway, we shall move on. Seriously, seriously, no joke now. I, I have looked at some tech stories in the last two, two, three weeks and every single one I've looked at the date and I've thought, is, have I just caught this late? It's got to be an April's Fool. And I think all of these next few items fall into that category. Every single one I've thought, no, 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 it's a joke. But apparently not. I feel the need to approach this one somewhat gently. Uh, in fact, I need to look. At, I need to look at the story, don't I? And actually, um, see what words they used. Yes, yes rather odd. Again, it's just a joke, right? The title is "App to Prevent Accidental Incest Proves a Hit with Icelanders." Hmm. Apparently, 
Um, and this is the first paragraph. The risk of Icelanders accidentally sleeping with a relative is apparently high enough to justify the creation of a smartphone app to help prevent it. Seriously? But then I looked at the date and it was the 18th of April, so I thought, well, fair enough, it, it may be true then. Apparently, it's all because they have a common ancestry and um, there is only a very small population and it's something that they need to worry about, apparently. Mm. There's a few places in this country that could do with that. <laughs> Please don't name names or we'll get sued. No, um, I won't. Mm, not too sure about that. I think my morality is somewhere back pre-war, I think. I think I'd need to know more than your first name before um, we had anything, any of those kind of shenanigans. But um, really? what do you think? I think of all this technology that's out there and that's what they decide to do with it. Well, it clears up one thing anyway. Mm? That's why mums go to Iceland. <laughs> That's a UK joke. You're going to have to explain it. In fact, no, don't. <laughs> you need to explain the joke. It's not funny, but trust me, that one's funny. Oh, dear. Um, yes, not at all sure about that one. But apparently uh, some of the reviews are uh, quite popular. Wish I'd had it sooner and that kind of thing. Dodgy. Very, very dodgy. But it's all right. It gets worse. The second one I saw and thought, no, why? Was um, let, me, let me get the title for that one as well. Yes. I, I missed the beginning of this. Um, I, I misread it, but I'm not going to tell you what I misread it as. I'm going you to let you make your own mind You could read the up. title that you've put into the show notes. No, no, I'm <laughs> going to read the real one, which, uh, yes, the, the headline was Sony Harness Lets You Mount Camera on Dog. Obviously, I missed a few words out of that and got totally the wrong end of the story. <laughs> have we done all this before? I think we have. I, it's old school, really, surely. You know, people got, like, GoPros and, and whatever the forerunners of gopros were and they strapped them on a dog and very exciting so it's only a i'd say at least five years late don't know what you think bringing up the rear <laughs> <laughs> no don't don't no let me explain what he did mind you title says it all doesn't it? i think it's self-explanatory yes it's a dog it? harness and it's part of a range of accessories for, for sony's brand new action cam which sounds like a, a gopro killer mind you you know sony at last five minutes going to be released in japan at the end of april and it's going to retail at about 35 pounds so the camera is waterproof and shockproof that'll be handy <clears throat> i'm saying no more on that and um yes you strap it to your dog can't see may have been overly keen on that one no and that uh, knowing where he sticks his nose i don't think i want to be viewing anything from that dog camp to be honest no i completely agree with that dog levels one thing and that uh, some of those lady dogs are somewhat too obliging for my liking but i think we should uh, i would say move on and, and leave that story behind but the next one's worse i fear yes as headlines go this is a particularly interesting one iphone controlled vibrating underwear really Okay, let's hear good vibrations. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. Words fail me. That doesn't happen very often. Not often enough. There's even a video that demonstrates said underwear. I try to take it you've seen that? Seen it. I've got it on constant play. This explains a lot. How handy is your birthday soon? If my birthday present comes from anywhere other than Apple, you're in deep trouble. Uh, Apple aren't selling these, are they? <laughs> I haven't checked. Oh dear, I could have talked myself into, um, oh no, let's not go there. I'm on a roll here. My first mashup. Hold, hold, hold! Now kissing with confidence. Let the dog 
waking up with vibrations. I blame Gav for this, you know. He's been leading Siri astray with these mashups. Yes. Anyway, shall we get back to some kind of normality, sensibility, <laughs> and, and yes, tech? And listeners' questions. Yes, 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 I'll hand over to you. Like, this is a good one. It is. It's a very good one. It is. I'll read the question and you can provide the answer. Oh, I hope mm. so. Okay, we've heard from Alistair. Alistair says, I have a burning need for a particular type of app and I'm wondering if you know of such a thing. In a nutshell, I want one password but for storing PDFs. In other words, a single encrypted repository secured by a single password, folders and searching, and synced between Mac and iOS devices via Dropbox or iCloud. It does not need and should not have web access. The use case is personal important documents that I want to have on hand, such as insurance policies, power of attorney, tax information, etc. Another way of looking at this is it might be a private Evernote, but the web component needs to disappear. Ideally, I would like to be able to somehow automate addition of documents on my Mac using scanning software, PDF pen, or perhaps Hazel. I suppose an Apple script or URL scheme approach would be just the ticket. I suggested this to Agile Bits and may do that just again as a cross between 1Password and Knox. Any ideas? Mmm, tricky. I'd like that as well. It sounds lovely, mm. doesn't it? I, it's something uh, I thought about, so uh, good question. Well, you said you thought 1Password would be able to do it because it you can attach documents. Yeah. But they are not synchronised to iOS devices. Mm. So that rather ruins that idea. Um, Knox. Now, I tried Knox. It's not going to do all of that, is it? It um, doesn't work in that kind of way at all, but it is secure. So the one that came to my mind that I use is DevonThink. And I thought that's probably going to be the only one that comes close because of the need for folders and searching and encryption. So what DevonThink is, is um, let's think databases, but it actually is quite freeform rather than being a, a very strict database. I've used DevonThink Pro Office for years. Uh, what I do is, as Alistair's saying, scan into it. So scanning into it is a complete joy. Don't have to name the files or anything. That, that works automatically. That's fantastic. There has long been quite a few desktop versions of the app. So there's uh, one at the sort of inexpensive end right up to the Pro Office version, which is the version that has the scanning integration in it. They're on the de desktop and then uh, the Holy Grail came out, which was an iOS app that allows you to synchronise just what you want to synchronise to your iOS device. So looking back at what his specific requirements were, a single encrypted repository secured by a single password. Yes, DevonThink could do that, but with an alarming caveat that I will talk about. Um, a second thing with does it have folders? It would need folders and searching. Yes, it's got that in abundance. And point three, synchronising it between Mac and iOS via Dropbox or iCloud. Sort of, I would say at the moment. They are in the, the final stages of implementing better synchronisation. So yes, it can do it. So let's head back to um, what I did to test this. Well, I created a database and I password protected it. And I must admit, this is the first time I password protected a database. 
in DevonThink because I have other types of security. So I would put it somewhere that was secure. So I thought, right, well, first step, I, I vaguely remember seeing I could password protect it. So I did. I password protected this thing. And I then put some files in it. And I thought, well, I'll close the database down, reopen it, have a look at it and make sure that it does actually prompt me for a password. And it did, which was what I expected. But knowing how DevonThink is actually constructed and how it works, when I moved from Windows, I was moving from an application called, um, was it TreePad? Yes, it was, it was TreePad, tree wasn't it? I, I know the tree bit. I was thinking it was the end pad. Yes, TreePad. And that was similar. So what I was trying to do was replace TreePad with DevonThink. And then, of course, I came across a problem, which was my data in TreePad. How did I get it out? You know, I'd spent years putting it in there, no problem at all on Windows, but how did I get my data out? And it wasn't pretty. It was horrible. So when I looked at DevonThink, part of my rationale for, for looking at it and testing it was, OK, I know I can get my data in there, but how do I get my data out? You know, if, if suddenly DevonThink died a death on me and there was no way I could install the app, could I get to my data? So I'd spent time working out that, yes, I could, that how DevonThink stores it is in a package file. So all I've got to do is go to the finder and look inside the package and there is my data. Now, it's not stored in the package in a very simple way in terms of all the folder names are the same and stuff. No, but all my data was in there and the file names were as expected. So they weren't just randomly named. So what I was thinking was that's great for me. I want to be able to get to my data, even if DevonThink totally fails on me. And for that, I could. But thinking back to Alistair's requirement of complete security, I thought, if this thing is password protected inside DevonThink, what happens if I try to access the package outside DevonThink? So I tried opening the package via Finder and it just opened. And that totally freaked me out. What's the point of the password? Because if you think about what you've got there, you've got a database. OK, it's wrapped up in a package. But if you've set a spotlight to access those things, it, the contents would even be spotlighted. What? Poor. Yes. <laughs> so back to the drawing board in terms of security, I felt. That freaked me out. I mean, as I say, I don't use the password personally, but I thought that's ridiculous. There should have been some kind of warning that it only stopped access via the application. It, it does not in any way stop somebody taking the file and just opening it and extracting document after document. <clears throat> Ridiculous. So I thought, I, I thought around corners and I thought, OK, what if I put this database file with or without a password? Might as well do it without waste of time. What if I put the whole database on um, an encrypted DMG, so a disk image? And yes, that worked. So if I password protected the disk image to access it, I would have to mount the disk image and then go into it. But yet yeah, it adds an extra step, but at least it's secure. And of course, that could then be um, stored in Dropbox. So next requirement to add stuff. Well, the great thing with DevonThink is uh, you can add in many ways, many of them automated. So you've got browser clipping. You can save any file to an inbox folder. 
And then as soon as Dev and Think is run, it will, and you open your database file, it will automatically file all that stuff according to where you've put it in the inbox. You can script it. I'm sure Hazel could handle it as well. So you'd probably have to look at precisely what your requirements are. But I've certainly never had any problems getting things in there. Uh, dragging and dropping, all sorts. You, know, you can do anything to get stuff in there. The organisation within it, once you've got your stuff in, is completely perfect. You've got folders. A new addition with version 2 was tags. Now, it does treat folders and tags in a very similar way, and they recommend you use one or the other. Um, if you use both, you shouldn't have folders and tags with the same name, or it does get confused. There is a hierarchy of what it does with it, but I tend to keep those completely separate. The search is where Devon thinks completely genius. Um, I've often put searches in against quite large databases and it's come back with documents I forgot I had. So the search would work brilliantly. The problem with Devon Think at that stage for me was that that's where it stopped. It was a desktop app. But when the iOS app came out, it was one of those that I'd waited for and waited for a bit like OmniFocus. You, know, you were thinking this is going to be fantastic. Want it, want it. And then it came out and it does work very, very well. It gives you complete control of what you want synchronised. And how it does that, back to this database um, ideology of it, it creates a group within each database file. And what you do is you replicate what you want synchronised to that group. So it's pretty much like putting in a symbolic link towards the documents you want synchronised. And it does work very, very well. Uh, I had it synchronising over the local network. I don't personally have that much of a need to have that kind of information with me at all times. But I can see, I'm thinking of things like car insurance and stuff that you're supposed to have with you. That would actually work well because the alternative is Evernote and that's you, that could be a bit too public. Well, how I split my stuff up is I split my archive between Evernote and DevonThink. Um, Evernote for fast mobile access and collection and Devon Think for longer term storage, keeping stuff offline, secure, and I only transfer what I need. Now, looking at what Devon Think have got planned, at the moment they're saying all editions of Devon Think 2.5 synchronise databases between multiple computers and locations, either directly or via Dropbox, WebDAV, file servers, or just about any mountable disk. So, I think that could be one to take a look at, but I think there's scope for, for what Alistair's just described, don't you? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think this one would take um, a lot of sorting it out, getting a workflow that worked and sort of building extra things with Hazel and possibly scripts as well. But it's always fun to, to try it and see if you can do it. So um, possibly want to have a look at it and let us know how you get on, Alistair. Anyway, I hope that's given you something to think about. Yes, thanks for that, Alistair. So, uh, shall we move on to our app review? Yes, and this, this week I'm looking at Penultimate. Well, I think you've mentioned this before in one of your your note-taking frenzies. <laughs> My note-taking, yes. Yes, yeah. but, but it's been completely redone, so I think it's worth revisiting. Um, it was bought and is now owned by Evernote. 
usually the kiss of death, isn't it? No, that's Google, the kiss of death. Um, well, I don't know, have their moments, look what they did to Skitch. True. Anyway, they recently brought out a completely new version. Uh, when it started, it was um, one ninety nine. It then went up to £2.49 and eventually settled at 69 pence, which is sort of the, that giving it away price. But um, Evernote really are giving it away. It's completely free. More than that, when you install the new version and you open it up, you get 30 days free of Evernote Premium. And there's a little note there as well that says, no sales pitch, just to thank you. Now, call me cynical. You're cynical. Thank you. But I feel that that might be required. I'm probably right thinking that because um, all that lovely bandwidth is going to be potentially needed to transfer your existing penultimate notebooks up to Evernote without exceeding the somewhat meagre allowance on a free account, I think. I think yes. you're right. Yes. So that 30 days um, would allow you to transfer that up and not have to pay for any extra bandwidth. But it starts synchronising straight away and you get full synchronisation. Now, what used to happen with Penultimate, as soon as Evernote bought it, there was some kind of synchronisation there, but it was very manual. Uh, you had to transfer stuff up and then it was up there and then you had to pull it back down and it was all done individually. So this I found better. Um, as a default, what happens is it creates an Evernote notebook called Penultimate and then each penultimate notebook becomes a single note within the penultimate Evernote notebook. Did that make sense? Definitely, yes. <laughs> there was a lot of notebooks in there. Yeah, so you've got this notebook within Evernote called penultimate, and then within there, in, from the Evernote side, each penultimate notebook is a single note. But within that single note, you have every page that's contained within your penultimate notebook. Of course, transferring it back to Evernote means that each note from Penultimate gets OCR'd and thus becomes searchable. Now, obviously, the accuracy of that is going to depend on your handwriting and uh, more on that later. But um, it does actually make sense to me that I thought at first, oh, good grief, what's it doing? I thought I don't want an individual Evernote note for every page. But when I saw how it worked, I think that makes sense. And the fact that it is going to synchronise it, which I think was what stopped me using all those notebook apps that you get very excited about, because it, it feels like data islands to me. My data is going to be marooned in an app on a single device. Whereas what this is going to give me is completely synchronised data via Evernote. So I thought that had potential. So um, it made sense to me and the synchronisation did work well. That was my other problem. Maybe it wouldn't work so well. If I deleted a page in Penultimate, you know, how quickly would that go back and, and be updated? And it, it's virtually instant. I do think it would eat into your data allowance, though, which doesn't bother me with a pro account, but I think it might bother you with a free account. Yeah. So all your penultimate notebooks are in sync, not only on all your devices where you have penultimate, but also all devices that you have Evernote on. So that's a big thing to me because there is no iPhone or iPod Touch version of penultimate. But if I just want to look at my notes, I do have Evernote on those devices and I can open Evernote and look at my penultimate notes. Same with the desktop, if you think about it. You know, penultimate isn't available on the desktop. Some of these notes apps, the ones you're so fond of, do have viewers for the desktop and some of them even have apps for the desktop. But they always seem to be some kind of fudge involved in trying to get them to synchronise and work together properly. 
Can I just say you're making me out to be a note junkie? You are a note junkie. I'm not a note junkie. Accept it. Accept it. You are. You know you I are. used to be. If I said, look, there's a new notes up there, you'd be gone. No, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. No, I wouldn't. I would have come done. Come on, come on. Couple, no domestics. A couple of years ago, I would have done. Now. You're all grown up. I'm a one yeah, Evernote right, man. Fine. Evernote. Oh, you've me. come round to my way of thinking, in other words. Anyway. Yeah. So, as I was saying, back to penultimate. Um. The app is free, but you will find inside it there are still some in-app purchases and they are from the paper shop. You get page styles. So you get graph paper, lined paper, plain paper. You also get a collection of seven writing papers. So narrow rule and margin, narrow rule, lined landscape, all that kind of thing. The ones that I like particularly are a storyboard plain and storyboard graph. And that's because I use penultimate to um, sketch out potential slides. I seen as though that is what I do with a large proportion of my professional life, designing slides and communications. So those two come in very handy. The in-app purchases of extra page types, and they're only, some are $1.99, but I think the $1.99 one is music. The others are 69 pence. So you've got 12 photo pages and 13 time and task pages. These 10 music ones, you've got design collection. There's some for children. There's some games that you could use for children. So tic-tac-toe, hang, hangman, dots and boxes, those kind of things. As I say, the seven that you can get free, they're the writing styles. So I downloaded those. But I actually find that those page types are where the power lies with Penultimate because you can make your own templates. It's not obvious that you can make your own templates uh, and there's no instructions on actually how to do that. But it can be done in any application. So you could do that back on your desktop in Pixelmator or Photoshop or anything really. You could even do it in uh, pages or numbers, whatever you wanted to do it in. You've then export it as a photo. And on the device that you want to import it on, you import it to the photo roll, then run Penultimate and then import it into Penultimate from there. Of course, the problem was uh, there's no instructions on what size it needs to be and you don't particularly want it to, you know, to be loading up 2-3 meg if 2-3k would do. So what I did was I exported it. You can also go the other way. You can export a note to the photo roll. So if you get the page that looks nearest, like what you want, you could export that to the photo roll, make your changes to it in any other application, and then import it back into Penultimate. So I've been able to create custom layouts that are the type that I would use in, in my normal notebook. I actually have an analog notebook, you know. Do you? I, mm, I, I do. have um, an analog... Um, brain. Brain. No, no, I have an analog notebook. It's It's... <laughs> I'm being serious. Go on. Yeah, I know you have an analog notebook. I have one that just sits on my desk because sometimes it's easier to just scribble a note. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I do have an analog notebook and uh, I like to have, I print my own pages for it. So in a way, it's similar to that. I actually think that's a really useful feature. It's one of the most useful features. I think for me, they have improved the interface and I think that's evident from the start. It now is very Evernote-esque. You know, they've gone like grey and simplistic with everything. Mm. Um, it used to be brown and <laughs> call me prejudice. I, I don't think brown is a good look for an app. It reminds me too much of the, of the calendar app. 
and that's a bit... And the schemo thingamajig. Yeah, the, the skeuomorphic, however it is. That's the one. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. So I, I like the interface changes. Um, I, I particularly think the notebook management is very good. You get this large view where you can see the covers and you tap to see the first page. And then you have a thumbnail view which shows the first page. When you're actually in a notebook, they have completely changed the navigation. But it does give you, the, the new interface gives you a nice placement of redo and undo. Um, if you've tried paper from, um, isn't that 53-something? That company, 53 paper, something like that. It's called paper anyway. Um, it's not as flexible. The undo-redo isn't as flexible as paper where it has a rewind dial. But to be honest, it's not obvious that that rewind dial is there, nor what it does. So it's certainly more obvious and easier to use than that. You get a single pen, which again, if you compare it with, with the ilk of paper, a single pen seems fairly basic, and it is a very basic pen. You've only got a few options, 10 colours and three widths, but I think that does let it down a bit. Um, I compared the display of the sketching that I'd done on my iPad 3, that's iPad Cyril, with what you were trying to do on your iPad 2, and um, the display on the Retina iPad is a million times better. In fact, it's I would say it's so bad on iPad 2, it, it harms the look of the app, but it is beautiful on a Retina display, but I think it looks very, very pixelated on uh, any, anything less than that. The big thing with it is that I must admit I did spend 10 minutes looking for thinking, well, it's got to be here. I'm just not being logical or more likely it's not being logical is that I couldn't find a way to zoom it. And I thought because you tried this that you had found a way to zoom it. No, I'm not sure if the older version did have a zoom or not. It could have been one of the features they took away. But trust me, it now doesn't zoom, which I find does make it very difficult to create detailed notes to actually do what I think this thing is intended for, which is write notes. So with the handwriting, um, I think that would be difficult. I don't know how I don't know how you handle that with with these kind of notes apps. You never could zoom. I'm just thinking back. As soon as you try and pinch and zoom, it's it draws a line or whatever. But if you think of how your finger works or how um, a stylus works, even the finest of styluses, there's no way you could actually make notes on some of this lined paper, is there? No. Um, I mean, the styluses I have are fairly chunky things. Uh, I think the, the, the most narrow one I ever saw was one that I, th I think Carrie got one, didn't she? Yeah. And Tim, some yeah. friends of ours on Twitter. And it had a sort of plastic disc on the top of it. And that plastic disc sat on the glass and you moved it. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it gave you a very fine line. The thing that concerned me about that was when I read the reviews, so many people were saying that they cleaned the glass before they start. They cleaned this disc that slides across the glass. And when they'd finished, it was scratched. Now, I would think it would take quite a bit to scratch glass. Would have thought so. More than just dust. Yeah. Um, I've actually, yeah, I actually dropped my iPhone. Yes, I did. Glass down onto concrete and uh, not a mark on it. So to scratch something like that, I, th I don't know what they're doing with that, but it put me off trying that kind of pen. And I think the rest of the styluses that you look at, they're all too chunky. There's no way that you could, with no zoom, with a zoom, I think you'd still find it difficult. And my handwriting looks nothing like on an iPad what it looks like with a pen. No way. I still think you'd find it difficult, but I think with penultimate, it's impossible. 
there are ways around it but I think without that zooming you're going to have problems with it the writing's going to be very big and the pages don't scale so you, you can't say well I'll have a page that's twice the size and that'll solve the problem it doesn't work like that so um I think the lack of a zoom is possibly a deal breaker and it does seem to be a deal breaker for many uh, I've googled it and people are saying right I'm off you know no zoom uh, I you know I've hung about for a few weeks hoping and no so I'm going to try other things and as as you've found as you well know Mike there are a lot of alternatives out there aren't there apparently so yes there are but I think the good thing with it is, is the way it synchronises and the way that you can share things. So you can share via Evernote, you can share it to Dropbox. You can even save it out as a .pen format, which is editable. Um, you can send the paper style you've used back to Evernote, or you can actually send the notes back with no paper style attached. So if you think about uh, music, you would get the full stave notation going back to Evernote, which I think would be really useful. How I've managed to make this work, because for me, I, I, I think it's a trade-off between the fact that synchronisation and OCR is so fantastic and you've got your notes with you everywhere, and the fact that you can't actually make true handwritten notes with it. So that, that's the trade-off for me. So what I've done in relation to that is I think the... For me at the moment, I can see the benefit of other applications where I can make maybe better in inverted commas notes. I can definitely see the benefit of that. But I don't want them isolated in a single app on a single device. So for that reason, I've gone with Penultimate. I think the fact that I can synchronise everything back to Evernote is the key feature for me. What I've done in relation to the fact that maybe I can't make those handwritten notes as in the way I would particularly like to, is to adopt a different note-taking approach. So um, what I've been doing, I've actually been doing this for years. Do you remember those Microsoft shows in, in, in the mid-90s? Yeah. Mm. I used to sit there and I would, I would, what's now called sketch noting, I would sketch note, I would draw diagrams, I'd have arrows pointing here, I, I'd put, you know, lots of text on it. It's now known as sketch noting. So Really, it's a way to get the best out of taking handwritten notes with something like Penultimate. Now, as I said, it can be very difficult to write with your finger. You can't zoom, but Evernote can successfully OCR it. So if you can get some kind of writing in there, there'll be enough keywords that it will search it for you. So, as I said, this sketch noting is very much currently in vogue. Uh, there is a brand new book out called Sketchnoting Handbook by Mike Rohde, I think is how it's pronounced, R-O-H-D-E. You might not know the name, but you're probably familiar with some of his work. He was the illustrator of Rework from 37 Signals, also did some of the artwork on The $100 Startup and The Little Book of Talent. So he's got this book out there and it teaches you how to take notes both with text but large chunky text rather than lots of detail so picking out keywords and then supplementing that with individual graphics so i probably had a head start on that i've probably been doing that un unknown to me for, for many years but the book itself does give you quite a few good tips as how to get started there's another one as well from brandy agerbeck uh, the graphic facilitator's guide and what what that really is aimed at is for people, I'm sure you've seen this, they used to do this on Skinner and Badil. They'd have a board and somebody would come out with a big board pen and they'd like 
sketch note the show do you mm, remember I that? remember that yeah um that's become sort of popular in corporations so you'll find books on that as well so it's a way to make more visual notes big bold text usually in capitals which makes it great for being ocr'd uh, and you can create a sort of collection of standardized notation and then add that as visual elements to it so it's best used as a guide. The book itself, I wouldn't sort of take every single word and, you know, start trying to copy his shapes. It's best used as a guide to develop your own style. And then it's just a matter of time and practice. And um, you can actually leverage penultimate within Evernote to give yourself some some very, very good notes that, that kind of bring back to you what you were feeling at the time as well, more so than just handwritten notes. So um, there's websites dedicated to this and Flickr groups and all sorts. So I'll put that in the show notes. I have stuck with it rather than some of the others at the moment. But as I'm saying, it, the killer feature is the fact that Evernote is behind it. However, I do wish Evernote would stop breaking things. I'm sure I mentioned this a couple of weeks back and it's still broken and it's annoying me. Um, you know, the more that I rely on Evernote in terms of there was Evernote and now Skitch links with Evernote and now Skitch can annotate PDFs. So that links with Evernote. And now I've got penultimate and guess what? That links with Evernote. Then I really need Evernote not to break stuff. And um, at the moment, I had a problem I've never seen before, and this one that I had, which was this link bug. Uh, they have at least confirmed that this link bug is a bug, thankfully. Um, if you remember what I explained, you probably will remember, won't you, Mike? Or did you turn off, tune out? I think so. No, right, I'll <laughs> remind you then. <laughs> yes, uh, you Yes, do. the problem was you drag and drop a note. So you open the note in a separate window and you drag and drop that note into... Um, another note and it creates a link and what it used to do was create oh, a i remember now. yeah she's all, yes, back to, she's all coming it? back to it was a clickable wiki link yes. and it was in green to indicate it was an evernote link nice touch and now it's not now it's an ugly blue link with a file thing and you know string of, of numbers about 256 numbers and i can't work out what on earth it's linking to but there is another way to do it. So if instead of dragging and dropping it, you go the long way round where you copy the note link and you then paste the note link in, it actually works as intended. So I've actually managed to get Keyboard Maestro to do that for me with a couple of shortcut keys. I'll probably stick with that. So they'll say, well, it was a good, a good job we broke it because you found a better solution. But that's not the point. It shouldn't be broken, Evernote. Because I make notes and I, I do create a little wiki for each course that I do. And, you know, with sort of ooh, upwards of maybe 18, 20 webinars in a week, I'm doing that a lot. And, you know, if it takes me longer, not happy. The other thing I saw was a synchronisation bug. And I, I'd never seen that before. And it freaks you out because you're thinking, ah, I'm relying on Evernote, don't need this. It was reporting the synchronisation was a success on two machines. But I had notes from, if you might imagine looking at your default uh, notebook. So in my case, it's called Inbox. If you're looking at that and I'm seeing three notes in it and they should be in the inbox. But on one machine, I'm seeing another five notes that shouldn't be there. Three of them were deleted weeks ago and two of them are in another notebook and it would not be told. And I thought, well, I can't delete them because they weren't in there twice. That might delete them from the other the other machines. And I tried and tried to get this to synchronise properly and it just wasn't having it. Um, and every time I synchronised, it multiplied these untitled notes in my inbox. So I started off with three and ended up with 18 by the time I'd finished trying. So I took the plunge. Um, I backed the whole thing up. If you need the instructions for that, they are on my blog. Put a link to that as well. Um, 
backed up the whole thing. Then I backed up each individual note that was in the inbox. So I backed them up separately and I tried importing them into another account. So that's another good tip. If you've got an Evernote account, create another one just for testing. So you can test that your import works before you delete anything from your main account. So I did all of that and then I went back to my main account and I deleted everything that was in the inbox on both machines and synchronized it. And then I pulled the notes back in that I needed, which were the three that should have been there and um, the two that should have been elsewhere. And it took all five in and put the two that should have been elsewhere in the right place and stuff. But again, that freaks me out. If you rely on it, what if I hadn't have noticed? What if they, those notes were somewhere else? You know, they weren't in the inbox and I didn't notice they were there. They seemed to be having quite a party. They were just multiplying. <laughs> And um, the ones that shouldn't have been there, well, oh, I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with that, but I managed I managed to sort it out in the end. But the more you rely on services and these services are linked together, oh, the more you've got at stake if it fails. So uh, I'm hopeful of the next show to have an update from Evernote that they fixed the problem that they broke. But you never know, do you? You never know indeed. Should we go on to uh, MacLove Bites? Yes, you, but you've got to say it right. MacLove Oh, very good. I'll let you do this. Thank you. We've heard from Roberta who says my Mac Love Bite is a Remind Me, a free add-on for the Reminder app, which lets you quickly and easily create to-do items and reminders. Now, I don't use the Reminder app, but um, it does look really, really useful if you do. You don't use it, do you? I don't know, but I actually looked at it a couple of days ago when I saw this come in and I thought, do you know, it's not as bad as I thought. I had, I think I thought of it as being really, really basic, but actually it's got it's got potential, hasn't it? It has. Especially All... if you can get add-ons like this to make it a little bit more rounded. Yeah. All you do is you click the icon in the menu bar or you press a keyboard shortcut and a window pops up. You fill in the details, the reminder date, the due date, etc, etc. Hit save and it will be added to the reminders app and sync across your other devices. Cool, as she says. Oh, you know what's going to happen now, don't you? You're going to want to try it. I'm going to want to try it. Oh, what with Roberta and Dave, this is where my time goes. Oh, but it's software and I get excited. Yes, I'll yeah. try that. So thank you very much for that. Oh, tell you what's going to happen. People are going to send in all these things now. Aren't you guys? Yeah. To tempt me with, I need 48 hours in a day. I'll work on that. Anyway, time for feedback and comment. Yes, we heard from Minster via Twitter. Um who said... Um, it wasn't a conversation with you. It was a conversation with MacBite Siri. It was. It was. It says, I'm MacBite Siri. Just listen to the show again. It gets funnier. Think one of your colleagues, no names mentioned, could do with some of this. Which isn't funny, unless you'd say what the, <laughs> what the photograph was of that was attached. I'm about to say the photograph was of some fix-a-dent, <laughs> which is, for those of you who aren't familiar with it... <laughs> Um, fixes dentures, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, when I was typing up the show notes, I put in uh, Mentor Dent, didn't I? No, 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 that's something Which totally different. Toothpaste. <laughs> yes, but it wasn't just, you know, bless Minster, it wasn't just one tube of Fixident. Oh, no, I think it was the industrial pack from a warehouse. Yes. Anyway, we must say, well done to Minster. He was doing his run last week and he completed the Brighton Marathon. I'm impressed with that. Well done, Minster. Very, very well done. Do you know, I actually did a bit of running in, in Brighton, didn't I? Yes. You've forgotten that, haven't you? No. No. 
oh, we went down there for a beach soccer tournament and uh, we covered a press conference with Eric Cantona and we decided we had to get back to the stadium, Quick Smart, which was over a mile away. And I remember running along Brighton Beach. You know, this is not a, this is not a site that the, the MacBiters need to imagine. And we just about made it. Wasn't it quite sweltering then as well? Mm. So if I'd have done that 26 times, I could have competed with Minster. Of course, I'd probably have needed oxygen by then. But anyway, that wasn't the end of uh, Minster's woes, was it? I'll let you explain that one. Apparently, Minster has subscribed in the podcast app and um, it's not auto-downloading. So... We put a call out. Has anybody else got problems with the the show auto-downloading? It was the very definition of torment for poor Minster. It took him two days to download the show. But we think he solved it now. Uh, It was all fixed by plugging it back in. I don't think this is how it's supposed to work, is it? It's that like turn it off and turn it on again. Yes, but he tried that. Oh. So short of um, uninstalling the app and reinstalling it, it, it needed plugging in. It, it needed to talk to iTunes before it decided that it, he was um, of sound mind and body enough to listen to MacBytes. Fair enough. Yes. Not good. I don't actually use that podcast app, but I have tried it uh, in the last couple of days. It's a bit flaky, or is it me? It's got better. Yes. Mm. It's, it's improved, but... Um, it was flaky. First version was flaky. It's got a little bit of a way to go, I think. It's not logical how you subscribe to stuff other than search for it, mm. which seems a long way to go about it if, if you know what you subscribe to. Uh, probably just me. I see, I use Downcast. This is why I love Downcast. Downcast is brilliant. Anyway, uh, we also heard from Jack, who said he's booked for the podcasting webinar and he's really looking forward to it. Fantastic! I want I want some MacBytes company on, on my webinar. Otherwise, it'll all be L&D folk prattling about L&D things, like Kirkpatrick. Let's not go. Learning styles. Go. Oh, no, I'm going to be asleep at this rate. No, so we need more MacBiters. And we heard from Graham. Graham, fabulous. Graham left a review at iTunes and we love it, don't we? We do indeed. I'll let you pass on some of the highlights. Not all of it, though, just the highlights. Yes, it was a fabulous review. Thank you. I'll I'll pick out the highlights. He said, some podcasts build communities. This one builds a family. Oh, we love the Macbiters. (laughs) We do. We do. One of the friendliest podcasts around with a great group of listeners, many of whom follow each other on Twitter. I don't know of any other podcast that connects with and involves the listeners like this one. Yay! We love Graham. So, your task this week, MacBiters, is to head off to iTunes and read the full thing. You can also check out all our other lovely reviews. Oh, and there's one not so lovely one too. Ignore that one. Ah, so yes, thank you, Graham. That is much appreciated. That's going to make its way onto one of my slides. I'm looking forward to it now. So talking of events, yes, last call for my LPI webinar all about podcasting in learning. I'm going to make it interesting, I promise. I promise I will. So uh, you are almost welcome to come along. It is this Wednesday, which is the 24th of April at 2pm. And the uh, link for you to sign up will be in the show notes. And we also have another event, don't we? We do. Well, go on then. Oh, you want me to say it. The Power of PDF, which is on the 2nd of May. And it's all about the Power of PDF. Oh, very well done there. Shall I elaborate on that? Yes. Yes, I think I should. You don't know what it is, do you? No. It's a surprise for me. Uh, right, it's the 2nd of May and it's our usual time. It is Thursday night at 8 o'clock. It is MacBytes learning time. The power of PDF, yes, not using Acrobat. 
Mm. There are lots of PDF applications out there that do lots of fantastic things, both on the Mac and on iOS. So that's what I'll be covering, all that you can do with PDF. And believe me, it's going to be more than you think. We've also going to have uh, a couple of photo editing sessions which will be going live later this week, so no details yet. But keep your eye on the site. Of course, you're subscribed to the calendar, aren't you? Yes. Hmm, let that one hang out. Oh, I should hope you are. Good grief. Oh, do you remember when we broke the calendar? <laughs> we, we need to go into that story, but not today. It's, it's running long. Remind me to talk about when Mike broke the calendar. Me? Well, yeah, OK, it was me, we. but that's not the point. It was, it, it was displaying perfectly on mine, but that's not the point. Anyway, right. That's it for this episode of MacBytes. We would love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com. Use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. Still had no joy with an audio file. I'm working on that, though. And you can leave a comment on the show notes at macbytes.co.uk. Don't forget to keep sending in your love bites and link up with us on Facebook and Google+. You can sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk and you can follow MacBytes on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. Excellent. First time take there. But until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. Who let the dogs out? Woof woof. I'm really getting my groove on now. Attaboy. You keep telling yourself that.